last night, I can see that all of you were aware by your presence here, the clocks changed, didn't they? You managed to get here at that hour earlier. I felt very fortunate this morning because although we knew the clocks had changed, the dogs didn't. You know, so they're going, oh, seven o'clock. No, it's eight. At the end of March, as that time of year approaches, we spring forward an hour and get ourselves ready for summertime. We might not think that looking out the window just now, but, you know, we are uh, getting ready for that season. Um, The sun is rising earlier, more light, and new life. The passage we have today also moves us in preparation for a new season. As I've said, next Sunday it will be Palm Sunday, the start of Holy Week. And there's the the cheering of the triumphant entry and the the cries of Hosanna will be in our ears. We're not there yet, but we are moving towards it as Jesus in this reading returns to Judea and we have a flavor of what will come not so much on Palm Sunday, But on the following week, when the tears of sorrow from the sight of the cross gives way to the risen Lord. We journey in this passage from the news of serious illness through death to grief and on to new hope. Our passage is of the kingdom of what we experience in our life and God's presence with us. But it also gives us a glimpse into that not yet. There's a promise, but it's not yet. And time plays an important element of what we read. An urgent message is being communicated from Mary and Martha to their friend. Yet Jesus does not respond with the haste we might expect or how those women thought he might react. The reality is that the Lord knows divinely as he receives that communication that Lazarus has already died probably soon after the message was sent. Were he to rush to Bethany, it would already be too late. Instead, in his own time, he discerns to set off to the grieving family. And this delay until he would arrive means the glory of God would be revealed in a greater way than his immediate response. The mourning of that culture reached its peak normally on the third day. 
but it would not be until the fourth day that he arrives. We live in a time when we are used to the immediate response. The ring of a phone can call out to interrupt us at any time and demands our attention. The sender of an email often imagines the recipient has no other factors to deal with that's more important than their response to their personal missile. Sometimes, however, it's right that when the text pings on our mobile's phone screen, that we reflect and wait a little longer before our thumb or our fingers start to move. Particularly if we have received something that has perhaps made us hot under the collar. Delaying a little can be a measured return made with love. Indeed, seeking the growth of the kingdom and loving the recipient should be in all we write and all we say. For a response to her letter, Martha has been waiting and waiting. And now she bustles out of the village to the coming Jesus she is in grief. And her words might have an element of accusation in them. If you had been here, is from her maybe more than a statement of fact, but has an element of the finger pointed at the chest of Jesus. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. That may well have been the case. Jesus has already suggested as much when he said to the disciples that he was glad he wasn't there when Lazarus had died. The inference being that Mary and Martha's brother, Jesus' friend, would have been healed had he been there. Jesus kind of says that. Mary and Martha actually expect that. They've got trust in him. But in so doing, a much smaller demonstration of God's power and glory would have been made. To have brought that healing, to prevent the death, the Lord, however, would have had to have set off much earlier than when he even received the message. He would have had to have sent off before the message was sent, maybe a day earlier. And Martha then kind of contradicts herself. Her statement was of her continual trust in the power of Jesus. But she seems also to put limits on it. As he tells her Lazarus will rise, she thinks ahead to a day of resurrection to new life in the end times. 
not expecting that he will be brought to life there and then. That's beyond her. It's beyond her understanding. It's beyond the limit of what she's thinking Jesus is there to do. But she goes and gets her sister. And as Mary is present, as we've seen on a different occasion in Luke's gospel, there is a different character, a different nature than her sister. And although the same words fall from her tongue, the same recognition that Lazarus would have lived if Jesus had been present, the emotion is different, isn't it? For she falls at his feet. It feels far more a statement of honor than what was heard from Martha. And so Mary brings an element of worship. John in this passage has already informed the reader that this is the Mary who poured out the perfume and dried Jesus' feet with her hair. But that event, if we're actually reading through John, has not yet happened. We'd have to turn the page, and it's down the bottom of the next page, before we get to Jesus anointed at Bethany. It's at the start of chapter 12 start of the following chapter on the night before Palm Sunday. And that suggests that in the first century, the first time readers of the gospel are so aware of her worshipful anointing that he can mention it early to set the scene and make the connections. This sister that comes is one that gives everything to Jesus in worship. We might want to be like that, but I wonder which one we actually are more like. Are we more like Martha than Mary? Both are faithful, both believe in the power of God, even in the time of grief. But how they express it is so different. How they speak is a challenge. And perhaps we are sometimes in the time of pain, more like Martha. We want to be the Mary. We want to simply bow down, but we have the Martha. But now as they both cry, as other mourners are with them, some having come out from the city of Jerusalem, about one and three quarter miles away, and come to, to share in that grief, 
Jesus cries too. But while their tears are mourning the loss of the brother, Jesus weeps knowing that he is about to rise, knowing that Lazarus will come out the tomb. And so those are more tears of feelings for his friends, for what they're going through, what they're experiencing, and the pain that we all experience in the world, the pain of the fallen world, where we know death and we know sorrow and we know pain and where we weep because of what we're going through. And he weeps because we weep. But the story doesn't end with Jesus being in the midst of the grieving family and friends. It doesn't end with the compassionate tears of Jesus rolling down his cheeks. It doesn't end there. Just as he'd said way back in verse 4, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. At his command, the stone is rolled away. Now, Martha resists at first. And again, we have this, oh, Lazarus is dead. It smells in there. Even though Jesus has just said that Lazarus will rise, she, she limits that power. She doesn't have that understanding. But then following a prayer by the son to the father, Lazarus, who was dead, responds to the call to leave the tomb. And wrapped in cloth, he is able to rise before being freed from the bindings. The family who lived at Bethany are reunited. A seemingly wealthy family with many friends and mourners from the city. They all witness the one who was dead and had been dead for four days. Beyond any mistake, someone who was dead has now been brought to life by Jesus. Who could not help? but believe. Throughout the events, Jesus is fully aware of what the outcome will be. He can imagine, perhaps we should say, see the end of the story from the beginning. As he predicts that Illness did not end in death. 
the story ends in life. And the glory of the Lord God is seen in Jesus. Now, that is not to say that God is glorified. That is worshipped through the sickness, the suffering, the grief, and the pain that has been experienced. But rather, the people have been faithful and continued to give glory to God, even in the midst of their suffering. Those are two different things. The suffering doesn't give the glory but the people do. In their time of torment, Jesus stood with them and he stands with us, offering new beginnings through his own suffering and death and through his resurrection. For in him we can know forgiveness and we can have the hope of an eternity with the Father that is free of sickness and sorrow, full of perfection and peace. Until that day comes, we live as people of the broken world, but also people of the new season, the people with a new hope. In the season of God's light. May we be those people and rejoice giving glory even in our times of struggle. Amen.